to be praised. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Amen. As the kids' church is dismissed, we can stand and go for the Lord. Uh, Romans, the first chapter, 1 to 16, our text for this series. We're diving into Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Uh, turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord. You may be seated tonight. Amen. We've diving into the book of Romans and seeing how Paul has masterfully written this letter to the saints, born again saints in Rome. And he goes into depth uh, about salvation and what it means to be saved and to live a, a righteous life. And because we are saved, what we should do and how we should live. Uh, to just uh, the just uh, live by faith, and that uh, is uh, that statement is deeper than it seems on the surface. It can easily people just grab it and say, "I just believe," and not really have an impact on their life um, and their daily walk with God. But uh, as Paul goes into his letter, it it is very deep to say, "The just shall live by faith." And our text for this, our, uh, for this series is really the key passages that really uh, explain everything uh, wrapped up in a few verses. Uh, the, the gospel is the only thing and only has the power to save uh, us from sin, us from God's judgment and his uh, wrath to come. Only through the gospel of Jesus Christ do we have this experience of salvation. And it doesn't matter who you are, uh, Jew or Gentile, uh, you, we all have to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to receive it and obey it and live it out in our lives in order to walk in the newness of life that God has provided for us. And we, we saw how chapter 1 explains uh, how the Gentiles are guilty of sin and they need a Savior uh, to save them from their uh, ungodly lifestyle, as Paul explains in, in many aspects. And then he turns in chapter 2 to the Jews, who he's uh, mainly writing to, um, and how they are not really any better either. Uh, they also need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and, not, and release uh, themselves from the, the law of Moses because it was just a schoolmaster, uh, a teacher to instruct them on how to live and point them to the real solution to the sin problem and that is Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, the Jews holding on to the law if you hold on to the law and uh, elevate that, then you're not going to receive what Jesus uh, came to do. 
uh, and that is to uh, give us a better life uh, apart from the law, and as his righteousness is uh, given apart from that. And so, uh, chapter one, Jews or Gentiles are guilty. Chapter two, Jews are guilty as well. And so, chapter three, it all comes together where Paul just says, We're all guilty. Every person, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so every single person needs to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Jews had the law of Moses to teach them uh, what is righteous and what is not, what is good, what is bad. The Gentiles did not have that privilege, but uh, as Paul declared in, in the first chapter, that they have nature to teach them that there is a God and to lead them to truth through that and through their conscience uh, that God has spoken to each and every person. And so so everybody is without excuse. Jews and Gentiles, we, are, we have no excuse. Everybody needs the gospel. Chapter 4, Paul illustrates, as we got into last week, uh, that the law of Moses, as the Jews would hold on to so tightly, uh, does not have the power to save or to declare anybody righteous. And the two big names that uh, Paul uses here in chapter 4 are Abraham and David. How Abraham was declared righteous even before the law was written and given. And even before circumcision uh, was demanded uh, by God. And so uh, those two things uh, did not attribute to the righteousness of Abraham. Because the word of God says Abraham was righteous before those things. And so he brings that point out to the Jews. Uh, And then he also brings in uh, King David, how he lived under the law, yet the law would have had him stoned to death for his actions and the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. And yet David lived. And God forgave his sins, even without the sacrifices that were required by the law. uh, Because David understood that the law was meant to be a schoolmaster, a teacher, to to lead us uh, to God, closer to him. and, And to point out that all that God is after really is the heart of man. If God can give your heart, then he has everything. And uh, David is known to be as a man after God's own heart. And so that's, uh, David understood it all. And he had it written. He had the law of God written in his heart. Uh, more than just on the scroll, on the paper uh, that was uh, inked on. It was in his heart. And so that's why he knew that uh, true repentance uh, and a broken and a contrite spirit, uh, God does not despise And so with that, uh, God forgave David of his sins because uh, when he truly has our heart, uh, our words and our deeds and our time, our our wallet, God has all of those things if he has our heart. Uh, We can uh, get down to the nitty-gritty and and dissect things out and and, and try to split hairs, uh, but if uh, the problem with that is we leave things out. But if God just gets our heart, he'll have everything, the whole package, and that's what God is really looking for, not just thousands of years ago, but even today, he still wants our heart to to seek him. And so 
uh, we are justified by our faith in God, not of any, any works, lest we should boast, not anything that we can do. Um, our very best, our righteousness is as filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. So we can clothe ourselves with our good deeds, with our works, uh, with our words, um, but uh, standing before God that day, that righteousness is not going to get us into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, only his righteousness, that is the standard to which we are to live by. Uh, and we can't do it on our own. And so God imparts that to us. He gives that to us through our faith in him. And he clothes us with his righteousness. Amen. And we are justified because of that. And so he explains in chapter 5 the blessings of being justified in the eyes of God. And so the easy way to remember what justified means is if uh, justify never sinned. I am justified in his eyes, justify never sinned. Uh, that is how the saints of God are viewed in the eyes of God. Those that have obeyed the gospel and have applied it to their life, in the eyes of God, they are justified, they are innocent as if they've never sinned. Why? Because he clothes us with his righteousness, because we are obedient to the word of God, obedient to the gospel, and that's what he does for us. And as you and I know, that is an unbelievable blessing, to be viewed innocent in the eyes of God, uh, a blessing like that cannot be purchased. You cannot purchase something like that. You, it cannot be earned. It, it cannot be bartered for. Uh, the blessing of justification only comes uh, as a gift from God. So it's not anything that any of us has ever done or can ever do to get it, um, but it is a gift from God. And to think uh, of that and to, to know that and to think of that, how God came to earth, he robed himself in flesh, and he was beaten, and he was crucified, and, and he was killed upon the cross, and he went through all of the pain and all of the suffering for you and me, and he spilt his blood when he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. He was innocent. He was sinless, but he was declared guilty. And therefore, he uh, paid the, the, the price of what it means to be guilty. Uh, and yet, uh, he that was without sin, he was the one that was crucified. And yet, here we are. You and I, who have done plenty of things wrong in our lives... Plenty of things that would declare us as guilty many times over, many lives, lifetimes. Uh, and yet God turns and looks at us as if we are innocent. And yet he was the one that was declared guilty and yet he'll declare us innocent if we put our faith in him and if we obey uh, what the word of God says. It, it doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. How, how can a, a holy and a pure God come and to die for my sins, and yet he turns to me and says, I am innocent. When I know that I have done all of these things in my life, it, it just, it's not fair, is it? 
It's really not fair that, that God does that, but he, is, he loves us so much that his love is what drives us to, uh, to him and is, is what drove him to the cross. I'm thankful for the love of God, how nothing can separate us from his love. And as long as we remain in him and in his word, we have that connection with God and we have that uh, benefit and that blessing to be justified by faith. And so knowing all of that changes things, doesn't it? Changes your heart, changes your, your perspective on life and, and, and the word of God and what he has done for us. How can you not worship him after knowing that? How can we not seek him after knowing what he has done? And how can we not come here every time we get the opportunity to, to, to be in his presence here and to worship him? How can we not do that after knowing and realizing all that God has done for us? In the fifth chapter, Romans 5, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so the peace now that we have with God after being justified by faith that peace means that his anger and his wrath are no longer moving in our direction. That that thought alone should brighten our darkest day. To know that his wrath and his, and his anger are not coming towards me because I am now justified by faith and I have peace with God. Uh, if we're having a bad day, just think about uh, the grace that God has poured out upon our lives. Many times we cannot, we don't see the whole perspective of things, but to know and understand that God's wrath is no longer in my direction, that his anger is no longer focused on me, that is something to praise God about. That's something to be excited about. Uh, uh, and to know that there are those out there who have rejected him, rejected his gospel, and they will face the wrath of God and his anger. And to know that by his word and the promises in his word that uh, we will not face that because we are justified by faith. That, that means we are a blessed people. No matter how rough it may get, we are still a blessed person. We, we have the favor of God in our lives, and we still have some hope, something to look forward to and to grab a hold of to bring us through whatever it is that we are facing because we are blessed. And that is the power of justification uh, as if we have never sinned before. And so Paul addresses that in chapter 5, and he closes the chapter by again tearing down any wall of separation that uh, the Jews may have up, uh, put up against uh, the Gentiles, that uh, how they are separate than them. And in chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, uh, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and by death sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Notice he doesn't divide it out, uh, Jews or Gentiles or Greeks. He doesn't, he's way past all that. He, by one man sin entered the world and death passed unto all men. Every single person, death is now going to visit their door and all have sinned because of one man named Adam. 
now, uh, because of his actions, all mankind are subject now to the power of sin. And therefore, all are guilty. And all will face death and all will face the wrath of God. And so Paul begins to argue here that if one man's disobedience can do that to entire human race, the, 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 the faults and sins and shortcoming of Adam, if his consequences affects the entire race and now everybody is guilty, everybody has, has, uh, has sinned and everyone will face death, if one man has the power to do that, what can the obedience of one man do? If disobedience brought death to the entire race, what can one man's obedience do to the entire race? And that is what we see in Jesus Christ. Because of his obedience to the death of the cross, now there is a way for those who believe to be declared righteous and to be declared, to be declared innocent in the eyes of God uh, because of the obedience of one. And now that is available to all, all mankind. Every person has that choice, that option to, to, be, to be declared righteous and innocent uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. We really didn't have a choice uh, with Adam, did we? We weren't around. Nobody was around but Adam and Eve. Uh, and so we can make the argument, well, we didn't have a choice, and so how is it that I am guilty now because of what Adam did uh, and all, all of those things? Uh, we're just kind of grouped in as a human race and declared guilty. And while we may not be personally guilty of Adam's sin, we definitely have our own laundry list of sins that we can commit. And so we really, uh, going back like the chapter 2 where Paul addresses the Jews, we really have, we can't really point fingers at anybody. We, we'll gladly point fingers at Adam, but uh, we also got to look at ourselves because we too have um, sinned many times in our life. And, you know, the whole argument, well, you know, if Adam hadn't sinned, then we'd still be there, I'm sure, Somewhere down the line, somebody else would have messed up. His son, Cain, didn't do too well. Uh, and so we like to say, well, if I was in those shoes, uh, you know, I wouldn't have given in. We can't, we can't play the what-if game. But all we know is that we ourselves have sinned. We have fallen. We have messed up. And we are personally guilty of that. And so uh, we have been born into this sinful nature um, without a choice, really. But God gives every person the choice to opt out of that. Every person the choice to opt out of the death and the destruction that is going to come upon this world. So we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll call it a religious exemption uh, from uh, the death and the destruction that is going to come. You, we get to decide, do you want to be declared guilty or innocent? Do you want to go to heaven or to hell? Basically, yeah, we didn't have a choice with Adam, but God says, hey, I'm going to give you a choice now. Since you talk about you want a choice and how it's not fair we didn't have a choice, well, now we have a choice. Uh, either you're going to obey the gospel and live a righteous life, or you just, you'll face the consequences that come from the life and choices that Adam made. And so now, really, we have no excuse, do we? God doesn't care who we are, 
through his grace, he gives every single person the choice and the opportunity to, to escape judgment, to escape the condemnation, to escape the wrath to come. Uh, and so uh, nobody has uh, any ground to stand upon because God is fair, he is just, and he makes sure that uh, every excuse uh, is covered by what God has provided for us. And so verse 21 that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And so uh, speaking of the power that sin has reigned over this world, uh, and in contrast, the solution now is uh, righteousness also reigns. And so we have the choice. Uh, which, which side are we going to go to? Uh, follow the ways of death or the ways of righteousness? And so Paul, uh, in his letter, he presented the problem with humanity in the beginning that we're all guilty. We are all uh, deserve death. There's nobody uh, that is good, none righteous. Uh, and, and so then he explained the solution, and that is salvation by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've, you've got the problem, and nobody's good. We all need help. Uh, and so here's the solution. Uh, to be justified by faith in the eyes of God. And, and so now believers uh, are at peace with God and exempt from uh, the damnation that is to come. Uh, and so now that, is, uh, that ends chapter 5. And so now beginning in chapter 6, Paul starts to explain how a believer should be living then. If, if we've got the problem, the solution, if you follow through the solution uh, and obey the gospel, uh, and, and now you are uh, set apart, and so now that that has happened to you, how should you live? Uh, Romans 6 and 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. That is how we know that the Roman saints obeyed Acts 2.38. Because he says so many of us were baptized in Jesus. Uh, he's not going to talk about that. Uh, he's not going to say that if they have no idea about baptism. Right? We're not talking about some people... Uh, some random Roman sinners on the street. No, to talk about being buried uh, and, and baptized into his death, uh, they obviously were baptized in Jesus' name. And so they know what that means because they partook of it and, and followed through on that. Verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. And so that further explains that baptism is and the only way to be baptized is by immersion. And that is what the Greek word baptizo means, to be immersed. Uh, and so you go all the way in, I'll go all the way under, under the water, uh, because to be buried means that you're covered, right? Uh, you're covered completely. There's, there's no sprinkling going on. When somebody dies, you bury them. You don't want any, any part left out, exposed, right? You don't just go over to the to the person to the body and you just sprinkle some dirt on them. But what that what kind of burial is that? That's not a burial at all. You you'll pay for that in a few days. 
Uh, and so that's why uh, being buried with him, uh, you bury them as uh, six feet under at least. And so uh, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And so the only way to be baptized is to be buried with water. Uh, and that is uh, uh, immersion by it. And obviously we do that and we, we adhere to that. But it's just, it's, it's, you just try to wrap your mind around why people do the sprinkling. You know, how it doesn't, how you can't, can't even make a good argument for it. And yet people, that's all they know. Uh, and once you get into the word of God, uh, the light is revealed, the revelation is there that uh, you're not even buried. Uh, and so you got a long way to go. Uh, to be uh, molded and shaped into the image that God has called us to be. And so therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And so here Paul is alluding to the fact that the saints in Rome were also uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if we're buried with Christ, we're, we don't stay buried, do we? Uh, we? We are raised up like Christ through the power of the Holy Ghost. He, he references this in chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. And so... Um, you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, in order to be raised up out of the grave. Uh, and so it's one thing to get baptized, uh, but if you never receive the Holy Ghost, you're still buried. Uh, and you don't want to live uh, your life buried and thinking that you're resurrected because you're not according to the word of God. We uh, cannot raise ourselves from the grave. We need an outside force, an outside power to come into our bodies and to quicken them and to raise us up uh, from this uh, watery grave as uh, Jesus was raised from the dead. And so here in uh, Romans 6 and 4 you got, you got a, an Acts 2.38 reference. Uh, he talks about being buried with baptism. And then he talks about uh, the newness of life through the power of the Spirit. And so, again, he's not going to talk like that to people who haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, who haven't experienced the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, if he was talking to uh, people who hadn't done that, he would probably would have explained it a little bit more. But he, he doesn't need to cover that because they're already, they've already done that. And so in verse 5, for we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We, also, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so now that we have been told that we are sinners and we are guilty and that there is only one way of escape and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, once those who believe follow through that process and it is uh, manifested in their life by repentance and water baptism and filling the Holy Ghost and uh, living a righteous life, uh, we don't just sit on the couch and wait for Jesus to return. Uh, 
because that just gets us to chapter 6 in Romans. we still got many more chapters to go. Paul is just beginning uh, to get uh, uh, warmed up here in his, uh, in his walk and his talk with how it means to be a, a righteous person. Uh, and, and so uh, just being uh, born again gets you to chapter 6. It gets you out of the sin. But what do you do now that you're out of the sin and God has called you out? Uh, we still got a ways to go. Uh, because we've obeyed the gospel, now we need to live like we've obeyed the gospel. Uh, we just don't live like uh, we just had a one-time experience and that was great many years ago. No, that's the, that, that would be a detriment to the, the spirit of Almighty God. The, the, uh, the all-powerful God, His spirit comes inside of us and the only thing we can do is just sit on the couch. Uh, what a detriment to, to God and uh, 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 Coming in contact with power like that gets us off the couch, right? You stick your finger in the socket with a, with a greater power, it, it moves us, doesn't it? It does something to us. We cannot stay still once you're being electrocuted by a powerful force. And so that's what God has intended for us when we receive his spirit, to not sit idle on the pew or idle on the couch. But we got a work to do. We've got a calling to do. We've got a purpose in our life. And we are being led by the spirit of God, and he will give us and lead us to where we need to go. And so Paul states that if we truly have done that, if we have truly died and buried and, and raised into a new life and walking in a newness of life, then we should be dead to sin. That we are no longer bound by the power of sin because we have been filled with a greater power. Uh, and so sin's draw, its power, its temptation should not have any effect on us because why? We're dead to sin. You can walk over to a dead person and kick them, and they're not going to kick back. You can hit them with a baseball bat, and they're not going to do anything back. Or you can talk about them, and they're not going to turn and give you a dirty look. Or uh, they're not going to bite you back, will they? Because they're dead. They're dead to sin, or they're dead. Uh, and so that is how we are to be uh, dead to sin. Uh, uh, we should be dead to our old self, our old ways, dead to unrighteousness. Uh, those ways, that old lifestyle should not have any appeal on us. It, it should not have any effect on us. Why? If we are dead to it, we're just, we're unresponsive. We're not, we don't fall for that trick anymore. We don't go that way anymore. We don't do those things anymore. Why? Because we are to be dead to that stuff. Uh, you can come at me all you want, but I, I, if I'm truly dead to it, I'm not going to respond to it, right? It should have no appeal or no effect or no impact on us because we are a new creature in Christ and all things are passed away, all things have become new and this new person that we are made in after righteousness is not uh, to be impacted uh, by uh, sin and unrighteousness. Uh, and so if a believer still struggles with sin and sinful deeds, then they really haven't died to that yet, have they? And so Romans 6 and 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies or have uh, control or even be really present in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Uh, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, 
but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as, as instruments of righteousness unto God. If, if righteousness is what raised us up from the dead and, and made us this new creature, uh, then we should desire righteousness. If our sinful nature calls us to desire sinful things and sinful ways, then this new nature that is created after Christ and righteousness we should desire righteous things. And therefore, unrighteous deeds or whatever should not uh, be a draw to us. Uh, and so verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. And so sin should not have any power over us. Why? Because we have been filled with a greater power than sin. Uh, and so if we are to surrender and be servants of the greater power, we would not serve sin, would we? Well, we are not under the law, but under grace. Uh, under the law, punishment for sin was swift and severe. Uh, it's not really like our law today uh, where, you know, it takes you two years to get a court case and for the, the consequences to come, and even then, you know, they're just, you know, life in prison, and so you get, you know, 80 years of, 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 of whatever. Uh, in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, nope, you, people just grab some stones and that was it. You're done. Moving on to the next one. Uh, the law uh, judged uh, sin uh, swift and severe. It was quick and it, did, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. Uh, and, but Paul says that we're not under that, we are under grace. And by uh, that is different. Grace uh, treats it a little bit different because grace doesn't deliver swift and severe punishment. Are you thankful that grace doesn't just come in like the law? That grace, what does grace do? Grace gives us a space. Oh, I messed up. I need to repent of my sins. Uh, uh, grace offers forgiveness that will hold back judgment. I'll hold back uh, judgment uh, uh, if you want to make uh, uh, the, a right choice again. That's what we are living under now uh, because punishment is held back. People might then begin to think, well, now there's maybe some wiggle room now, some grace. Because if people, if we're under the law, they might think twice real quick about doing that action or deed. But now that grace is involved and grace gives forgiveness and, and mercy, um, it doesn't seem as severe uh, and it's definitely not as swift. And they think, well, maybe, maybe we can get away with it or uh, extend it out some. And so Paul addresses this right here in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under, the, under grace? God forbid. Uh, again, why would somebody who is dead to sin want to try to get away with sin? If you're dead to it, why would you want to deal with sin? Or why would you want it around you? Why would, why would you want to take advantage of God's grace, knowing that what God has done for us and the price that he paid for us, uh, knowing that truth and having it in our heart, uh, those, those thoughts and that knowledge does not lead to somebody to say, how can I get away with this? They just don't mix. Somebody who puts on the mind of Christ and puts on the armor of God is not going to see how they can play patty cake with sin and the devil. 
although we still battle with uh, the desires uh, of the sinful nature because we still have this flesh that we are attached to, um, we can't uh, get rid of it, uh, uh, we still can succumb to it if we uh, are not strong in, in the Lord and the power of His might and if we don't uh, follow the Word of God and, and live a righteous life and uh, stay committed to God, uh, we can be uh, become uh, lazy and cold and, and, and slowly slip back uh, into uh, the realm of the unrighteous and sin if we are not careful. Uh, and so... Uh, we, we, we can still we still battle with our flesh uh, and it's a daily battle um, but we have uh, the power <clears throat> through the spirit of God to to live a life uh, that is uh, above reproach above sin and we have been given the power over that and so if we surrender to the spirit of God uh, we should easily be able to walk in the paths of righteousness we should be able to walk by the spirit and, and not by the flesh and and not fulfill the desires of the flesh uh, and so but even if we sin in a moment of weakness we can go to God and 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 repent and confess it to God and receive his forgiveness but sin should be the exception in our life. It should not be the rule. Sin should not be uh, uh, a frequent flyer in our life. Sin should rarely come around because we should, again, we should be dead to sin. And if we are not dead to it, then we're, we're having a problem uh, with that and we need to uh, die to that uh, sin. And so... We must continually reject that the sinful lifestyle and the allurements of this world because we are called to a, a life to live a greater life. After all that God has done for us, after giving him our heart and dying and being buried, our battle with sin should get easier the longer that we're in this. If we've been in this for decades and we're still struggling with simple sins, then, then we're, there's something wrong with us and something wrong with our walk and our relationship with God. And, and we got a heart issue, uh, lost our first love. There's many things. Uh, we should not be uh, dealing with the simple sins that we, that we used to live with and, and deal with in our lives. Though it should be getting easier as we go along uh, dealing with sin. Uh, the devils may get stronger and, and, and harder, but that's okay because we're getting stronger in the spirit. And we have uh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so as long as we are living by the spirit, the, the stronger the devil comes, that's okay because we have a stronger spirit inside of us. Amen. And so God has given us the authority and power uh, to live a, a righteous life above sin and above reproach, and so we just need to make sure that we are submitted to the Word of God so that we walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And so uh, in chapter 6, Paul tells us that believers, Christian, born-again Christians, should not continue in sin. And so he moves into chapter 7, he explains that the ability to come out from the power of sin cannot be accomplished by depending upon the law or it cannot be done through our, our flesh. Uh, the only way that we can overcome uh, sin and the power of sin is to die to it. And then if we die to it, Jesus will resurrect us and live, help us to live that life 
he has called us to live. And so, Romans chapter 7, know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. Uh, really, he's uh, calling out the Jews here. Uh, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. And so Paul here is going to use marriage as an example of the power that law has over us. Verse 2, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Uh, so then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, uh, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And so the words that are spoken at, at weddings uh, that we repeat at the altar is, you know, I love you and, and, and sickness and in health until death do us part. We, we make those vows and those commitments uh, before God and before uh, witnesses. Uh, sadly, those, those vows really don't mean anything nowadays uh, because people leave each other for all kinds of stuff. Uh, and, and so, but Paul uh, is addressing this, you cannot be under the law and have power over the law. Uh, you're, you're, you're a servant to it. Uh, and so you can't have the power over it. The only way uh, that you can be under the law and have power over the law is if you are in Congress. There you can make the law and you don't have to do anything about it. You can live your own life. You, you don't, you're not bound by the law. You make it for other people, but you can do whatever you want to do. And if you're a, a big-name politician, then the law doesn't apply to you. Uh, so that that's a blessed life right there. You can just do, commit crimes and felonies, and they don't they don't apply to you because you even though you're under the law, you have power over it. But for everybody else, every normal person uh, and uh, not corrupt person, uh, we are bound by the law. Uh, Paul states that. Uh, in Christ, we are no longer bound by the law, referring obviously to the law of Moses, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, uh, ye are also uh, are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. And so uh, you were uh, obviously speaking really to the Jews. They were bound uh, by the law, uh, but once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become dead to the law. Uh, where He also talked about being dead to sin, and now you're dead to the law uh, by the body of Christ that you can, you're free from that law, free from the law of Moses, what? To be married to another, to be married to, to Christ. Uh, uh, you, you don't, you're not bound by uh, that law anymore because you're free from it now. We've been released from the dominion of the law by the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus met all the demands and requirements of the law at his death on the cross. And so uh, the debt has been paid. 
when it's been paid, you're free from the creditor. You don't got to worry about the phone calls or the letters anymore because it's been paid in full. That's what Jesus Christ did for our sin debt because we had a, we had a debt, we had a balance due, and we could not pay that debt. There's no way that our righteousness would be able to pay the debt that our sins had caused. But Jesus came, and he stepped in, and he paid our price. Uh, and so if we put our faith in him, he wipes our slate clean, and we are free from sin, uh, and no longer bound by sin, and we are free to, to, to marry another, as Paul says, and free to be attached uh, to uh, Jesus Christ and to live the life that he has called us to live. Musicians, if you would come. And so he goes on to say that the law does not have the power over sin. The law just kind of points out sin. And it says not to do that. Uh, You cannot be arrested, prosecuted, and put in jail and declared guilty if there is not a law that says what you did. If there's no law, then you can't go to jail for it because there's no law in the books. The law uh, doesn't uh, make you guilty. The law just says, hey, this is what, this is, what is bad. Don't do it. Uh, and so uh, this is a felony. This is a misdemeanor. Don't do it. Uh, the law doesn't make you guilty. The law just points out what is good and what is bad. Our actions are what make us guilty or not. Uh, and so he says the law does not have power uh, over sin to defeat sin, it just points out what the sin is. And, and it, it basically says that's what's bad, don't do it. But basically, we're still on our own. The law is a, is a, is a teacher, it's a help, it's a guide to, to steer ourselves uh, through uh, what is good and what is bad. But it doesn't really give us any power to combat sin. It just says that is sin. Uh, and so it's kind of like getting instructions on how to fix your car or how to, how to change the tire on your car. Uh, it gives you the directions, but it doesn't give you any tools. It says, hey, you're on your own. Good luck. You got your two hands. Try to, re- try to loosen up those lug, no- lug nuts with your hands. It's not going to work. I mean, that's, uh, that's a, a simple illustration, but uh, the power of sin is so strong and powerful. The law, the law does not, uh, uh, was not meant to combat the sin. It was just to point it out, but it, was, uh, it points to the one who can and who does have the power to defeat sin, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is what the Jews did not see. They did not see the, the Messiah or they, they saw it, but they didn't believe he was a Messiah. And so the solution was standing there, right there in front of them, and they rejected it. They crucified him, and so they are still left powerless to deal with sin, but they have the law. And again, Paul says, hey, the law is great, but man, the, the law doesn't help you at all. It shows you what's good and bad, but it does not give you the power to defeat that sin. And so, uh, He talks about the law there, and then he talks about our flesh. He finishes chapter 7 talking about uh, our our carnality, Romans 7, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual uh, because God gave it uh, to help to be a schoolmaster or teacher. Uh, But he says, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would 
that uh, do I not, but what I hate that I do. He's referencing the power of the flesh, the power of, of carnality, uh, because um, the, the desire, the the desire that our flesh has for unrighteousness, it's corrupted. And, and so it was created in unrighteousness, and so that is what it craves. It craves that. Uh, and so, again, this, the law can point out, hey, that's bad, but yet we're, 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 we're born into bodies that are just evil on its own. Uh, and so he's referencing this, uh, this power of, of the flesh and and. and that it has. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He says, I know what is good and what is bad. And I don't really want to do that, but the, the power in the, in the flesh drives people to do these things that they really don't really want to do after it's done. They feel the guilt and the, and the condemnation because uh, they didn't do, uh, they're doing what they know not to do. Uh, and so this is obviously not Paul's present state. Obviously he's... He's born again. He's, he's got the power of the Holy Ghost to live the life that we are called to live. But he's speaking in generality what the power of an of unregenerated person is. Like a, a, a sinner, uh, the, they're, they're, they're subject, they're servant to sin because of the power that it has. in our And it's in our bodies. It's in our flesh. The, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those come inherent with this body. Uh, and so if we don't have an outside source that is greater than the power of our flesh and sin, then, then the law is great, but it doesn't give us the power to defeat it. Uh, and so that is what Paul is illustrating here, that uh, the law is great, but it leads us to Jesus Christ. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. I, I know what is right and good and, and what is wrong. But it's bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. The, the law, the, the, the power of the flesh uh, is in my members, and I, the power of the law is in my mind. I know what is good and bad, but yet somehow I still find myself doing those things. Um, obviously, not as a born-again believer, we shouldn't be finding ourselves doing those things uh, because we have the power to stop that. Uh, he's referencing the, uh, a carnal sinner and the power that he has. Uh, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? Paul, uh, you know, if he could get rid of the flesh, Paul would have cast it out. And uh, if we could get rid of our flesh, we would cast it out and just live the, the righteous life that God, uh, the righteous being God is creating us to be. But we're, that's, not, that's not ready yet. That's coming when the return of our Lord and Savior uh, and so he just, again, addressing the power that sin has in our body. Uh, and we have the law, or they, the Jews had the law to point out those things. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. The, the battle there uh, between our flesh and our sin, uh, and sin, because our flesh and sin, they're like buddies. They work together. Uh, and the law instructs us what's good and bad, uh, but uh, we need an, an extra boost to help us get through 
uh, and defeat the power of sin. If you stand with me tonight. So in chapter 6, Paul said that a believer should not serve sin. Chapter 7, we see him describing to us what is available to man, our natural tools that, uh, that we, we think we have to fight the power of sin. We have the law, which points out the sin, but it doesn't give us any power. The, we have our flesh, which is corrupted. It has sinful desires, so that doesn't help us. Uh, and, and so we need something else to help us out, help humanity out in this battle that we are, uh, uh, we are in the midst of. And so that's where Paul then describes the solution to this. And that is found in chapter 8. Uh, and that is the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you walk after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. Why? Because you're not fulfilling uh, unrighteous desires. You're not doing all that wicked stuff. Why? Because you're walking in the power that leads you away from those things, and you're not going to be condemned uh, because you're not having any part of that because you're surrendered uh, to the Spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It's through the Spirit of God is what delivers us from that. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The only way that we can walk after the Spirit is to have the Spirit. You can't walk after the Spirit in the flesh because it's corrupted. It's not going to lead you the same path that the Spirit of God is going to lead you. It will lead us another way. It wants nothing to do with righteousness and holiness. And left up to its own good, uh, we uh, will face damnation and judgment because of our wickedness in our flesh. And so God knows this, and so that's why he provided mankind a way out. Because he knows we're, we're trapped. We, we, we've got our flesh. He gave, he gave the law, which is good, but it doesn't give us the power over it. And so, verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And so a born-again Christian has no excuse to not live a righteous life. We should be living righteously each and every day in our life because God has provided us with the power to do such a thing. He paid our sin debt. He gave us his spirit to empower us to live above sin and above reproach. Now we just got to do it. We just got to submit to it. We got to submit and surrender to the Spirit of God. And we will follow in the way that God has led for us. 
And so what God has planned for you and I, the, the life that he's planned for us, the, 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 the plans for apostolic praise and the revival God has, uh, is going to give to us, our flesh cannot lead us there. Our flesh cannot lead us to revival. We have to throw off that flesh, throw off that carnal mind, remove it uh, through fasting and consecration. we got to tear down those barriers and pull down the strongholds. Why? Because the Spirit is trying to lead us to a place, and our flesh does not want to go there. And so uh, what it's going to take, it's going to take us to have a made-up mind. That we're not going backwards, we're going forward in God. We're determined, we're moving where God is calling us to go. We're going to press towards the mark and to fight through whatever comes our way. We're not going to give in to sin. We're not going to go backwards, but we got to go forward. And we're going to bind together and we're going to help each other in Jesus' name and encourage one another. Why? Because we're all in this together. We've all fallen. We're all short and we're all in this the, the same boat. Uh, by the grace of God, we're going to get through this in Jesus' name. Amen. We got to bind together in that. Amen. It all comes by surrendering to the Spirit surrendering, laying down our kingdom, laying down our, our, our will and our desire and say, God, that's, that's not what I want. I, wanna, I want you. I want your ways. I want your righteousness in my life because that's the only way we're going to make it in this life is if we are completely surrendered to God. Why don't we do that as we begin to sing tonight? Why don't we just close our eyes? Why don't we just begin to thank him for his grace and his mercy, all that he's done for us and how he's brought us here. Help us, Lord, to live a righteous life. God, to be dead to sin, dead to unrighteousness. Our desire would be for you, Lord, your word, to be led by your spirit.
worship. Can we give him some praise tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your righteousness, for your love, for your grace and mercy, Lord, that you've poured out upon our lives. Lord, we are undeserving, God, but we thank you, Jesus, for stepping in, God, and providing a way for us to escape what is to come. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's go out and continue to be dead to sin. Amen. Dead to all the things of this world so that we can be alive and to be a light for him and his kingdom so that we can see his uh, end time revival happen. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.